So Colossians 3, starting at verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is God's word. Well, good evening. Good to see you here this evening. Uh, Do keep Colossians open. We've prayed that God's word would dwell in us richly this evening. So let's trust in God's spirit. Uh, Let's dive straight into our passage uh, this evening. Colossians, we've been going through this over the last few weeks. And I want to start with a question. And here's the question. Uh, What do the following have in common? Uh, Typing Excel spreadsheets, changing patients' bedding, software programming, reading articles, phoning clients, uh, skydiving, rehearsing music, sitting in meetings, marking. They're all things that people in this room will do tomorrow at work. I made up the skydiving bit. It's not a, <laughs> it's possible if that's you. I'd love to meet you. It's a very exciting job that you, uh, that you have. We spend most of our waking hours working. That is uh, what we do, a uh, huge amount of our time. And so it is a good question to ask, what is, what is a good worker? How can I be a better worker? I don't know how much time you've spent thinking about that this week. Maybe you've spent more time thinking, how can he or how can she be a better worker? But it's a good question to ask of ourselves. How can I be a better Worker, it's a question the newspapers would ask as well. How can someone be a better worker? I guess the general answers to that would be things like, well, spend more time working. That's how to be a better worker. Isn't that one of the messages you pick up? How to be a better worker? Well, just stay there longer. Just manacle yourself to the desk. Just stay there. That is how to be a better worker. Or maybe it would be you need a new skill set. How to be a better worker You just need to go on that course, and then you will be the perfect employee. I don't know what course you've been encouraged on most recently. It's a good question. How can I be a better worker? It's a question. It's a good question for a Christian to ask, especially if they've just heard verse 16 of chapter 3. Just turn back to Colossians if you've lost your place. 1184, page 1184. We're working our way through this book of Colossians. And Paul has said to this fledgling church, verse 16 of chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So teach, admonish, sing psalms. And it'd be easy to think that what he's talking about, or all that he's talking about there is what goes on on a Sunday. They sound like things that we do on a Sunday, don't they? Uh, church or midweek Bible study. And yet he goes on, verse 17, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he's talking about whatever you do. So if the Christian asks, 
How can I be a better worker? The answer is not time or skills, but attitude. We need the right attitude as we go into our workplaces tomorrow morning. And the the big attitude that holds both of these together, both slaves and masters, is basically this. Work with the Lord Jesus as your boss. That's the message for, for both. Work with the Lord Jesus as your boss. Just see that from the passage. Do you see the heart of this passage is the Lord? So verse uh, 22. Uh, sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it as working for the Lord. Verse 24, first half. You'll receive an inheritance from the Lord. 24, uh, second half. The Lord Christ, chapter 4, verse 1. You have a master in heaven. It's the same word, Lord. The heart of this passage is the Lord. So here's the thing. You cannot be a better worker. You cannot be a better worker unless you're seeking to grow in the Lord. That is, says Paul, how to be a better worker this week. Grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, don't just think of the Lord Jesus as being nice to sing songs about or nice to read passages of the Bible about. No, the Lord Jesus that we met in chapter 1, who's the universal Lord of all, The same Lord Jesus who died on the cross that we heard about in chapter 2. The Jesus of Sunday nights is the same Lord Jesus of spreadsheets and caring for patients and teaching year 9 maths. He's the same Lord Jesus Christ of the workplace. He's the same one. So let's dive in and see. And you've got a handout on your sheets which um, may help you if you like uh, just following through where we're going. Let's dive in and see, first of all, slaves are to obey. That's the first part of the message. Slaves obey. Now immediately we hit an apparent obstacle. uh, And it's this. What are we to make of all of this stuff on slaves? Uh, What should we think about this for a start? Why is there more for slaves than, than masters? Well, that may be just simply because in the Colossian church there were more slaves than masters, it may just be as simple as that. But another question comes off the back of that. Why, I mean, why is there no call to release slaves, for example? Why is there no call to, to do that? Let me just make some quick points and people can pick those up in question time afterwards. You, you might have found one of these. We're going to have a question time about 15 minutes after the end of the service. Do write them on that and put them on the front here and we'll have a go at those later. So do ask more about that. But just very briefly... Five things. Slavery was varied. Um, so in the New Testament, probably 75% of people were in some form of slavery. And it was a pretty varied thing. It wasn't just the sort of picture we get in the 18th century. Some of them would own property and have uh, legal, uh, would have uh, legal rights. Uh, secondly, even that slavery isn't here endorsed. So Paul's teaching the minority Christian how to deal with the Roman institution that they find themselves in. And he's teaching them within that to submit. Thirdly, you could jot this down. 1 Timothy 1 verse 10, slave trading is not condemned. Sorry, sorry, is condemned. So the exact opposite. <laughs> that was close, wasn't it? Slave trading is condemned. You can look it up and you can check uh, that for yourself. Slave, slave trading is condemned. 1 Timothy 1 verse 10, Revelation 18 verse 13. Fourthly, four, Jesus taught that all people are equal. Jesus opposed all oppression. And fifthly, Christians have been right throughout the years to be at the forefront of the abolition of slavery and today in the forefront of fighting against trafficking. Just some things you could pick up on uh, if you want in question time. But because of the, the first of those, the, because of the variety of the types of slavery that we, that we 
that we get in the New Testament. I take it that there are principles here for us in our workplaces. I guess some of us on a bad day do feel like we're in some form of slavery, but I don't think it's exactly the same. But there'll be some, there'll be some crossover in terms of some of the things that uh, Paul is writing to, the context that these people are receiving the letter in. So let's just work through some things that slaves are called to do. They're called to obey their earthly masters. Uh, verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. So literally, that is, slaves, obey your Lord because you have a Lord. It's the same word. Just as later, it's lords rather than masters. Lords provide for your slaves because you have a Lord. It's the same, it's the same word in, in both. And literally here, it's your fleshly masters, your masters who are masters over you in the realm of the flesh. Fleshly masters. That's a word that we've seen in Colossians a few times already. So in chapter 2, verse 13, we're told that Christians were dead in the uncircumcision of the flesh, in the realm of the flesh, this world. And yet now we've been made alive. We've been raised up, chapter 3, verse 1, with Jesus Christ. We're now alive in him. In other words, if you're a Christian here, you are from a different realm. You have been seated with Jesus Christ in heaven. You are free, and yet... And yet you still have earthly masters, masters within the realm of the flesh. You are to submit to them. Martin Luther, the German reformer, put it like this. The Christian is both free and subject to none of his fellow human beings, as well as the dutiful servant who is subject to all. Do you see both of, both of those? Paul would say in the letter, you are free. You are raised with Jesus Christ, and yet... We're called to submit in different relationships. So submit to your earthly masters, secondly, in all things. Submit in everything. So the leaning for the Christian worker is to obey, is to submit. Now that's very different, I guess, to our culture where we're very cynical about all forms of authority over us in our newspapers, in our workplaces, where we're very cynical about authority. And yet here Paul is saying we are called to obey. Now this doesn't mean that we're to disobey uh, the Lord. We're to obey God first. So if your boss says to you, um, why don't you break into your rival's computers? Why don't you do this unethical, shady practice? Well, we're, we're not to do that. We're to say, no, I obey the Lord Jesus Christ first of all. But in all things that are godly and right, we're to seek to submit. Now, what does that look like? It doesn't mean that you're to be a, a doormat in your office. So I've had a few conversations with people recently who would say, well, look, what would this mean for, uh, for me with the unreasonable boss? I don't know, you work in an office and the boss is just unreasonable. The deadlines that he pushes down upon you from where he is down to you is in effect some form of, of bullying upon you. What are you to do in those sort of situations? Well, I guess it would be good to... Express your view. There are procedures in the office place that you would want to follow. For the sake of others within the company, others in your team, actually the courageous thing may be to uh, approach and say, look, this is deeply unreasonable what is going on here. You may want to, to do that, to follow due process for the sake especially of others on your team. And yet we're to seek to do it in a, what does Paul say? 
seeking to obey your earthly masters. In 1 Peter, we're told that there are unreasonable masters and they're still called to submit in that situation. So slaves obey your earthly masters in all things at all times. That's the next thing. Do it, verse 22, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And at that moment, don't you just think that Paul knows exactly what we're all like as workers? Isn't that, isn't that the whole temptation? Not only when their eye is on you. So not just by way of being an eye pleaser, pleasing the eyes of men, keeping people happy. Don't just do it for that. But serve the Lord from your heart. Now, I guess there are lots of ways that we could pick up from, I don't know, the office or then if you're watching The Apprentice at the moment, lots of ways that you could pick up on ways just to do things to keep other people happy. So here are a few you could try, I guess. Drop into conversation. Do you do this? Do you just drop into conversation the things that you've been working on that no one else knows about. Or leave the office last. You know, just wait until the boss has gone and then just... Is this the same in your office? Just sort of two minutes after the boss has gone, everyone else makes a break for it. What's been happening? Just wait until the boss goes, just to put in a showing for him, and then, well, then you go. Or send an email at silly o'clock so that everyone thinks you're still working and maybe CC someone else into that one. It's tempting, isn't it? Or, here's another popular one, apparently, the boss key. Do you know what the boss key is? The boss key is the key that when you're surfing the BBC Sports website or you're playing Angry Birds or whatever it is on your screen, that you know that if you press the boss key, then immediately up on the screen as the boss comes in will go a very complicated Excel spreadsheet or something that will persuade everyone else. The boss key, top right or whatever it is, the boss key. All of those are just different forms of eye-pleasing. We're just seeking just just to work, just to keep the boss happy. I don't know if this is a particular way. Let me mention one. One of the big ones, I guess, in many of our professions is visibility and profile. You just, you just want the, your profile to be right in the right place. So, on the project that would count towards your professional development or your promotion, you just, you give it a bit more. They say, do you think you could go on that uh, conference? You say, I'd be, be absolutely delighted. I'll be glad to go along. And yet on that conference that no one's going to notice doesn't count towards any promotion prospects you just you do you just pull back a bit you just slacken off uh, a little bit and so we do just enough to keep people happy and Paul says you're not to be like that if you're a Christian you're to work for the Lord verse uh, 22 it's the fourth thing work for the Lord verse 23 as working for the Lord. Verse 24, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In other words, obey because the Lord Jesus Christ is your boss and not your actual boss, not the man or woman who is over you. Work for the Lord. So do you see, you just have to get things the right way around. So let me just remind you that tomorrow, if you're a Christian, you are not serving Mr. Jones, the unreasonable boss. You are not serving HM government. You are not serving the NHS. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who your boss is. 
So you're not doing the things that you're doing just because they say so. You can see beyond. Your boss is Jesus Christ. You've been raised up with him. And so you work for the Lord Jesus as your boss. And so in the light of that, obey. Obey your earthly masters in what is right. Seek to submit to them. So try thinking of it this way. I don't know if this works for you. Try thinking of it this way. Try and think of the thing that you are most dreading this week at work. I don't know what that would be for you. Just try and think of it. What, what is it for you? Is it that uh, business trip that you've got to go on that you really don't want to? Is it that very difficult client that you've got to speak to? Have you got it yet? I don't know. What is it? Are you thinking? What is it? What's, is it the presentation you've got to do Thursday afternoon in the graveyard slot? Is it, uh, is it double year nine maths? What is it, what is it that you most dread this week as you think about it? Well, imagine that the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ said to you, uh, I've got a job for you. I wonder if, uh, could I ask you, could you teach year nine maths this week? Could you, could you go and visit that client? Could you do that presentation for you? See, if you imagine you started to think in that way about your work, actually you'd start to do it for him if we could remember that. It would change the way that we did things. And that is how we're to think. We're working for the Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen one who we met in chapter 2, who died, was nailed to a cross for us, rose from the grave and now calls us to serve him. And in effect, that's what he says to you this week. He says to you, will you, will you do that presentation for me? I know the boss is unreasonable. Will he do it for me? I know year nine maths on a Friday, so I don't know why I go on about that, but I imagine that, that must be a pretty hard one. Uh, would you care for year nine maths on a Friday afternoon? Would you do it for me? It would change the way that you think about the trip or the client that you've got coming up. So do it for the Lord. Do it, next, knowing that you have... A reward. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This is a contrast so that the verse goes, uh, not for men, for from the Lord you will receive an inheritance. In other words, don't expect your reward to come from men. It, it, It won't. You'll be Sadly disappointed if that's what you expect. So don't expect that after the presentation or the business trip or for, uh, after the good rehearsal that your boss says, we're absolutely thrilled with you. Here we've got a, I don't know, carriage clock for you or a company car or the, the company slippers. I don't know what the incentive schemes are in your workplace. I don't know. But don't expect that that is what will happen. The incentive scheme here, the incentive scheme of Jesus Christ PLC, is an inheritance that will come from Jesus Christ himself. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, since you know that you will receive from the Lord an inheritance. So I imagine the moment that, uh, I don't know if anyone has run the marathon today, you're doing very well to be awake and with us uh, if you have, but that moment that some people this afternoon have worked for, built up for, That moment when you cross the finishing line and into your hand is placed the medal must just be the most wonderful, wonderful moment. I walked past a a guy as I was, uh, as I was walking early and he was just lost in this trance. He just had this medal in front of him. He was just sort of wandering around holding it. I, 
I just couldn't help myself, but I did say, well done, mate, good on you. And he, just, he, he hardly noticed me. He was just looking, just looking at this thing. Wonderful moment when you have that, that just reward, that handed into your hand. You've worked for all of these months and you receive it in your hand. And do you see how this can help you this week if you work for, I don't know, what, what you might call or what others might call a bad, unreasonable boss? Do you, do you see how these verses can change the way that you go into work? I don't suppose that it will immediately get easier. Everything will fall into place. But do you see how it changes our attitude? Because it reminds us that just because you get the work from the bad boss does not mean that you get the reward from the bad boss. The reward comes from someone else. You might work for the bad boss, but the reward... Well, that is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, he will put the inheritance of heaven into your hands as you cross the finish line of this life. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And that moment, I imagine, will be a moment we'll just remember forever. And you see, Paul says here, verse 24, you know this because you know. In other words, this is something, if you're a Christian, that you know. You know this, don't you? There's heaven ahead. It's just that we forget it in the heat of the moment. So one day, Jesus Christ will reward us as we've served him. His incentive scheme of heaven will be placed into our hands. Final thing on on these verses. Do you see verse 25? What does he add in verse 25? Uh, Avoiding wrong, I guess, is is the summary of that. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. I guess he's saying that to... Christians who may be tempted in the light of all that Jesus has done to do wrong, to do unethical things in their work, to do slapdash work, to fiddle the expenses, to gossip behind the boss's back. And he says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So can I say that to you if that's you this evening? Don't do that. Because these things do have consequences, even for Christians. That's the point of the favoritism. There is no favoritism. These things do work out. And we're serving the Lord. And we seek to please him. So there's the first thing. Slaves, obey. Here's the second. Masters, provide. One short verse. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Again, I think this is countercultural as well. Roman masters in those days would have treated slaves as just things, people, just as objects they wouldn't have had any legal protection and yet here christian masters are told to provide for their slaves again just like last week to see how these things are to work uh, to complement each other um, so husbands and wives masters and slaves uh, so here is the master who is to use his power and his strength to provide what's he to provide what is right and what is fair for those in his employment what is right I don't know what that would look like in your work. I guess that means making sure that your, for a start, your em- employees are getting paid. So if you have control over these things, I know there'd be some here who would be starting off on a business, starting a new venture. Well, actually, to, to do those things, to make sure, think of your team, if, uh, if you've got a few under you at work, to make sure that they have job security, that their contracts are up to date, that they have pension provision. So dot the legal I's and the T's. Do what is right. And then do what is fair. So think of uh, your team. I mean, what, um, what, 
what courses, for example, should those in your team do if they're going to progress in the work that they're doing, in the career that they've chosen? Well, as a, as a master over them, what is fair is to seek to help them to get that sort of training, not to hold them back just because you want to keep the high performer on your team. And actually what is right and what is fair in that situation looks like serving them. So are you dumping too much on them because they're a high performer? Is there someone in your team who you always go to? They're the go-to person. You just land stuff on them. You don't really think about it. You just go to them because you know you can trust them with the job and you do that. You're dumping too much on someone. Are you standing up against any workplace bullying at the moment? Is there some bullying just going on in the team? Just just personal stuff just going on at the moment in, in your team? Is, is the boss above just pushing things down on all of you? Is someone getting blamed in your team for doing a botched job? Are others just trying to push things on that person? They're the sort of team scapegoat. Anyone like that in your workplace at the moment? Are they being discriminated against? Is there, is there racism? Is there, is there bullying going on? Just think around your team if you're someone who's got responsibility over someone else. Just think through the names in your team. It would be a good thing to do as you go home and pray about it. Are they provided for? Are they provided for what is right and what is fair? The Bible says that is your job under God. That is your job as a good master, as a Christian master, as a servant of Jesus Christ to provide for them. Yes, even the awkward one. Even the awkward one you are to provide for. You are to show compassion and care for them. You are to be courageous enough to challenge those, your immediate boss even, to challenge them if they are being unfair against others. And let's work some of those things through in question time uh, afterwards if you can stay. But what is the thing that will help us to do that? Well, it's the next bit. Knowing that you have a heavenly master. In other words, don't just do this because legally you have to. Don't just do this because it's company policy. Don't just do this so that you're known as a good bloke. Don't do it for those reasons. It'll get you so far, but it won't get you very far. And you won't be doing it with the attitude that God wants. Why are we to do it? Because you know that you have a master. You have a Lord in heaven over you. That is the thing that is to motivate us as we serve those in our workplaces and our teams. And again, you see, it's, it's, it's something you know. It's something that Christians know. But in the heat of the moment, we forget. In other words, you know what it is like to have a Lord over you in heaven who provides what is right and what is fair for you. You know what it is like to have someone who opposes iniquity for your sake. Who opposes bullies for your sake. I mean, what is... God doing in Jesus Christ when he sends him to the cross. He is fighting against our great enemies. Sin, the flesh and the devil. He is fighting against them. Jesus Christ, our heavenly father, is the perfect master. We know what it is like to have a Lord, a master over us who provides what is right and what is fair. And that is the thing that changes us if we're bosses. And so for all of us in our role as a slave or a master, we're called to know that we have a Lord. If you're more in the position of serving as a slave or whatever you'd, you'd call it, as a worker, an employee, we'll know that you have a Lord. 
If you have responsibility for those under you, know that you have a Lord. That can help. That can change things. The story is told of a man called Samuel Logan Brangle, um, who was a man from the USA who came over in the 19th, in the 18th, the 19th century, 1800s, 1887, from the USA to work in the Salvation Army. And uh, his trainer at the time wasn't sure that if this, uh, if this guy would submit to the sort of army discipline that the Salvation Army used at the time. And so they sent him to train in a town called Leamington on the south coast as a cadet. The first assignment of this guy who would describe himself as a fairly proud man was to black the boots of the fellow cadets in his, um, in his team. And so this uh, man who traveled a long way found himself in a dark underground cellar with 18 pairs of muddy boots all around him and a can of polish. And, it, and he, as he would say, not just a can of polish, but also a rich temper as well. And so there he was, down in this dungeon. And uh, he, had th- he said to himself, I've come 3,000 miles for this. Uh, John Stott, who wrote uh, the biography of uh, this guy and commented on it, writes that suddenly, in his imagination, this man saw a sort of picture And Jesus Christ was the central figure, and he was washing the disciples' feet. His Lord, who had come from the glories of heaven and the adoration of angels, was bending at the feet of uncouth, unlearned fishermen, washing them, humbling himself, taking the form of a servant. And Brengel's heart was brought low, and this is what he said. He whispered, Dear Lord, you diswash their feet, I will black their boots. And then Stott writes in what is an absolutely brilliant sentence, he writes this, then with an enthusiasm heretofore unknown to the boot blacking profession, he tackled his job, a song on his lips and peace in his heart. And what was it that made the difference for this worker who didn't want to serve? What was it? It was lifting his eyes and seeing the sort of master that he had So do you want to be a good worker? Well, work for the Lord Jesus as your boss. Can I say, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, and yet you come along and you say, well, I wish I was a better worker. In essence, what you're asking for, I put it like this, is you're asking for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me explain. Only he can help you to see beyond your boss so that you'll submit. Only he can be your boss so that you won't become a tyrannical boss. He can give you that uh, that perspective. So turn to him. Wish you were a better worker. Well, come to Jesus. That might irritate you. I don't know. Come and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to. But that is what Paul is saying. He's saying you can't be a better worker and separate that out from Jesus Christ. He's written a letter about Jesus. And now he says, be a better worker. But the two are connected. You can't separate them out. And that goes as well if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian here, then work for the Lord Jesus as your boss. If you want to be a better worker for him, then look to Jesus Christ again. don't need to go on a course. just need your eyes lifted to Jesus Christ, your master in heaven. And so you can go out into this week and with Jesus' help, work with an, I don't know, an enthusiasm heretofore unknown in the world of Excel spreadsheets or whatever it is. Because of Jesus Christ. And so two questions you could ask. One would be to each other in the pub afterwards or in the prayer triplet. How is your ministry at work going? How are you getting on at the moment? Be a good question to ask each other. And then a question that you could ask the Lord Jesus as you get on a train or 
get in a car tomorrow morning or push the elevator button as you go up to the 50th floor. And it's this question, Lord Jesus, how can I serve you today by serving those around me? And for all of us, as we close, as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we share bread and wine, do you see that having Jesus Christ as our boss makes us all equal before him? We have different roles, but we're all equal. True, uh, true equality is found, in other words, at the foot of the cross. And there, CEOs and street cleaners and all sorts of people, we all find that we all share a deep need. We all share the deep need of forgiveness. We're all equal before God. We, say, uh, we share and serve the same Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the master who came from head office, if you like. Came from head office and he was bound to a cross as a slave so that we might enjoy his reward. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came from heaven to serve us. And you know that uh, tomorrow we go out into all sorts of different places, walks of life, different jobs, different careers, different offices, different people. And we pray that there our eyes would be lifted again when we get going tomorrow, that we might remember that we have you as our boss, that we might seek to serve you first of all. Help us in that, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.